Hi, this is Frugal Forever, and I'm lonely. Me too. <laughs> hey, Josie. Hey, Katie. How you going? Uh, up and down, you know, like waves of total despair and like wanting to punch a wall. And then, you know, I have a couple hours of meh and then it comes back again. And that's you're not just... having any light positivity in this moment? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I, I know that sounds really judgmental, <laughs> but lately I've been... I've been going for a lot of bike rides. I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling optimistic. Yeah, I want to go for moment. a bike ride, but I don't have a bike. Did you figure out that you can get an O-bike or something? Um, yeah, I know that exists, but I just haven't got around to finding where one is. Anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> hey, guys, this is a podcast about money. Um, welcome to our actual season two. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about it last episode. We kind of posted about it on our socials and in our Facebook group. Um, we had kind of had this plan for what we were going to do originally in season two. Obviously, world changed. Uh, we're kind of putting putting those ideas on pause. But what we are going to do is like a mini season kind of around coronary topics. Um, like today, we're going to talk about how your productivity does not equal your self-worth. A topic very close to my heart. Yeah. So, you know, not like... Not big picture economic stuff, obviously, that we're not qualified to talk about, but kind of things that you might be thinking about while you're at home at the moment that are kind of related to money and work and happiness and stuff. And the exciting thing is that we're partnering with Junkie to bring this to you, which is why we sound very clear on these really fancy mics. Yeah, we're holding these really heavy mics. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy means they're expensive, I think. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's cool for us. Yeah. Um. So productivity and self-worth. Can I read a tweet that I saw? Yes. It's by Bridie Jabor. It says, why do people feel compelled to be productive in self-isolation? Watch The Office for the 17th time. It's fine. Nobody's going to grade you at the end. Seriously. So um, how are you feeling about productivity in this time of isolation, Josie? Um, thank you for setting up that question when you know exactly how I'm doing because <laughs> I had a breakdown to you on Wednesday yep. <laughs> about my mental health. Um, yeah, I think I think Wednesday was the turning point for me. Thursday and Friday were better. So this, yeah. that was my first week working from home. Mm-hmm. And Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I just felt like I still have to do my normal job that I'm doing that I thankfully, luckily still have that I really appreciate. But when you're at home, there's a billion other things that you should be doing. And then you have people in the internet saying, oh, you should also be working out this many times. Here's a workout that you should be doing twice a day. Also, you should be writing this novel that you never had Mm. a chance to do. And it's like, yes, but eight hours of the day, I'm still working. And then there's dirty dishes in the sink and my dog is there needing to be walked. And it just felt and I know this is me coming from an extremely privileged position. It just felt like everything was all at once. And then I had these really hectic deadlines at work and we're really busy at the moment. And I just was like, fuck. Like I just felt, yeah, just so stressed all of a sudden. Do you know this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm used to that that feeling because you know it's my life normally but I mean I said this to you at the time I was like yeah so (laughs) you were freaking out because you had all this work to do and your house was messy and it was kind of driving you crazy and I was like like it wasn't messy it was like there were a few dishes in the sink yeah okay and then it was also like 
I could be, I could wipe down my bath. Do you know what I mean? Dude, like a hundred percent. Just tiny mean. things where yeah. it's like to the naked eye, it's a clean house. But to me, yeah. it, they're driving me crazy, which they've never dri- driven me crazy before. Yeah, no, that's like a hundred percent a thing. Um, I think I even maybe said this last episode, just my like one piece of advice about working from home was you like, you got to keep your home really clean. Cause otherwise it's just like phrase the brain, man. It like freaks you out. Like it really does. Yeah. So I work in my like kitchen and cause that's where my table is. And I'll just be sitting there. And if I see like a streak on my, um, kitchen cabinet things I have to like get up and clean it or if I'm looking at the window and I'm like oh the window's a bit um foggy I have to get up and like clean the window from the outside like any little tiny like mess imperfection I just can't like it just needs to be sorted before I can give my brain space to work so that's totally normal but also I was trying to figure out I was trying to break down what this is in my brain like is it some sort of idea of domesticity that is just like lying dormant that now is coming out. Like why, why is it a thing? Um, I just think it's distracting. It's just distracting. And like, it's just not nice. Not that I'm like, I'm sure your house wasn't messy enough that it was like gross, but it's not nice sitting in an environment that's, that's feels too crowded or too icky or whatever. And it's different when it's an office because it's like, well, this isn't my space. So I don't feel like responsibility or ownership over it. So I'm not going like, I'm not going to go and clean everyone's desks in an office so that it looks nicer. It's just like a different mindset, but when it's your home, it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I, I see what you mean. I just wonder if men think this. Oh, that's yeah, the other thing. Not. Men are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah, I just don't know if it's a female thing or, I don't know. I don't know. It's also just, it's just procrastination as well. Like, like pure and simple. And you just feel like you have to be more productive because you are at home. Yeah. Because there's no one really to distract you or talk to you or you don't have meetings and stuff. Like you have phone meetings. But Here's, here's the thing that I would say to you as well. You're probably like, I mean, I know that you were like really busy that week and it's kind of a different thing, but generally I think people maybe when they work from home in this kind of environment they feel like they're being less productive or something but it's just because half of your day isn't chewed up by pointless meetings and commuting and like all that bullshit so you're actually probably doing the same amount of work as you would normally do in four hours because that's all it takes it's just that stupid like corporate nine-to-five culture thinks that you need to be in an office every day for no fucking reason so like don't beat yourself up I know. I just feel like there's, there is some, there's part of me that does, I know I say like productivity isn't your self-worth, but it, it has been. And that's just more of a thing that I have to sort out for myself and my own with my therapist or whatever. Yeah. But being like to my boss, this is what I've done. Here I am. I turn up every day. Look how good I Mm. am is so much a part of my self-esteem. And it's also losing that. You're like, Oh God. Do you know? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I 100% like conflate my self-worth with like how much you get how done, how much work I do, like to a psychotic degree. Um, so I understand, but can I read you a, a line from an article that I read about this? Mm-hmm. This isn't my money content. This is supplementary content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Drew Millard in the outline and, and mm. 
are you serious? Is that your money content? No, but I, I brought the same article to talk to you about. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, well, there's this line where he's like, typically you work for the promise of something better, a promotion, mm-hmm. a raise, a future that's more promising than the present. But with all that in terrifying jeopardy, the demands are much lower. It's just enough. It's, it, it is enough to just get by if that's, your, if that's all you're capable of since getting by may be the new emotional normal for months to come. It's like things are different and I don't think anyone – well, look – I don't know what employees are cunts, but like, I don't think any employer should be expecting anyone to be like their best version of themselves right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think my employer is that, Yeah, but, um, I, yeah, I think so too. But then I also think about there are people in those essential jobs who still have to go every day. They're in the hospitals. They're working as hard as they can. Why the fuck aren't I showing up? <laughs> just as a, <laughs> as a pianist starts playing. Yeah, my neighbor's learning to play the piano. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> fun isolation hobby for us both. <laughs> Do you know, like, what, just because I'm at home, why aren't I giving my 100%? And I'm trying to, but. I'm sure you are. Like, I'm sure you are. You're just spinning yourself out by overthinking it. Yeah, well, there's no one to talk to during the day, so <laughs> only my own thoughts. Josie, just open Slack. Get that um bird that Homer had in The Simpsons that, like, taps a key. So <laughs> <laughs> like, keeps the computer active. Go about your business. Yeah. But it's hard. Like, I, like, I guess I have a different kind of worry about productivity, which is, like, I don't know. Yeah, like that thing of like, oh, well, if if I'm not going to write a book in isolation, like I'm definitely never going to write a book at any other time. That like, tweet that was like, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the plague while he was me? in quarantine. Yeah, Oh, my God. Fuck Yeah, the, that That's tweet was doing rounds. That's know. obnoxious. You know who tweeted it? Johnny Cash's daughter. It's like, <laughs> if I had Johnny Cash money, I'd be writing 50 why is she on, like, King Lears. Why is she on Twitter? I don't know. God, but ruining Johnny Cash for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, that, and then that makes me in two minds because I'm like, my work is one thing where I do want to be productive and I am spinning out about that a bit. But with all the other like hobby stuff where it's like, now is better time than ever. It's like, no, just let people be. Totally. And also I think it's really easy to compare yourself to other people in this situation without actually knowing what the reality of their life is right now. Like, so I had this, the brother of a friend of mine like started this like quarantine film festival thing. And is also like going and taking these like portraits of people from like outside their windows. as like this hey, quarantine cool. project. It's, it's really cool. And I'm like, why aren't I doing anything cool like that? And then I'm like, well, for all I know, he's lost all of his work right now and literally doesn't have anything else to do and has, you know, that extra 40 hours a week of time on his hands. Whereas, you know, like I'm, I'm still working. So it's, you know, it's all relative. It's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. Yeah. Um, and again, I just want to stress, I feel very lucky to have a job. I don't want it to sound like I'm complaining. Yeah. But also, do you, like, are you feeling this weird push-pull that I'm feeling of, like, it's just so fucking hard to focus on work right yeah. now because the world is literally crumbling. Um, but then also, like, no, like, must, like, must make money, must, like, keep job or keep getting work because it's so crucial right now. And that's, like, that freaks me out mm. yeah. yeah I mean it's it's so hard to yeah. concentrate so hard. I keep every hour I'll be like oh I haven't heard the latest and what's going on <laughs> and then I'll open the news and I'll be like ah dude I like I'm on that Guardian live vlog all day oh. it's bad do you know what's really bad <laughs> what 
I will open ABC and then if I'm feeling, and I'll read the news, and if I'm feeling especially masochistic, I'll be like, what's going on on news.com? And it will be like, Josie instead. <laughs> get up there. That's some bad place. So I'll get like the even kill news <laughs> oh and I'll be God. like, oh, okay, that's cool, good to know. And then it'll be like, terror, <laughs> worry. Like, I know, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, but I also realized that, okay, <laughs> Now that, okay, I'm a freelancer. I work from home normally. Like normally me off the clock is like going out and doing social things because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I have to go and meet so-and-so for dinner at this time. So like got to get my work done and then I'll go right out and do that thing. And then I go and do that thing and it's like fun and relaxing and I'm not thinking about work. Now that I have no social things to like, like structure myself around, it's like, well, all there is to do is work. So I guess I'm just going to keep on working. Like I've lost that, that ability to relax kind of now I'm just in my house, which is the place I work all the time. So it's like, I don't know. There's no off switch for it. When I fully relate to this, it's like the start time and end time doesn't matter. Time means nothing. Yeah. Like you're just like, I've been working, I'd be technically on the clock for way more than eight hours just mm. because, like... Oh, that's bad. Don't do that. I know, but it's like, mm, well, Josie. I guess that makes up for the half an hour that I spent cleaning the kitchen or whatever, you know? Oh, my God. And then you just Your end brain. up just no. staying there and you doing You should be doing, stuff. like, five hours a day of work, Max. <laughs> <laughs> no. Take it from me. No, I want to make sure I... You, like... And then, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but then my also issue is that I'm doing uni at the moment, so... Mm. Uni for me was like, I go to work, I I do it because it's online uni. I do my work, come home, I can do a bit of online uni and then I relax. But all of that is in one. Yeah. And so I'm like, I spend, I spent my whole day on this computer doing work and then got to go to a different computer to do uni work. <laughs> it's like, it never ends. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's very demotivating. Yeah. And also like losing the structure of having like F45 to go to in the morning, mm. like that stuff yeah that fucked with me as well I think because yeah that was the thing that like got me out of bed and had me on like a pretty regular schedule and now it's just like just wake up when I wake up and then work until I fall asleep like okay Mm -hmm. okay like I was or before this all happened I was already having this like internal meltdown about the fact that I turned 30 and that I'm like running out of time and yeah, just freaking out about that. And this situation of being indoors for potentially six months, 12 months, 18 months, I don't know. Um, that is like really not helping. So yeah, it's like, even though I want to be like, productivity is not equal self-worth. It's also like, Oh, I don't have time to waste. Like I don't have time to just sit at home watching TV, like, playing the age of empires i can't seem to download like <laughs> you still haven't figured it out no it's impossible <laughs> um and yeah that spins me out i mean yeah because that's the other thing it's like if you aren't going out and living life with other people what are some other ways that you can show like you can make up for your existence and the reason you're here on earth i guess i would also just say like to anyone who's worried about productivity or feeling like they should be doing more, like cut yourself some slack. Like we're literally, we're all grieving right now for like the world that has changed and the lives that have kind of, that we've lost. And 
like the jobs that we've lost for a lot of people and like, you know, all of that stuff that this isn't normal circumstances. Like you're like, you can't expect yourself to be on right now. Like you need time to process what's happening and to like feel it as, as corny as it sounds like, you know, this is, this isn't just a snow day at home. Like this is the world is like fundamentally changing right now. It's, it's okay to be distracted and upset and to want to like, just watch some, some comfort TV and, cook and whatever did you read the article about the that feeling of discomfort is grief yeah yeah, yeah. so i brought that along to talk oh, about yeah, yeah. um but now she can't get her phone to work um yeah no i mean i read it and like i remember kind of there was so there was this article i think it was like harvard business it was harvard business review yeah and i think the headline was that discomfort you're feeling is grief mm-hmm. and yeah it was about how we're all we're we are all grieving right now it's like it this is it is grief like you know yeah grief isn't just when people die you feel it in other situations as well and kind of talked about like the five stages of grief uh, as it worked in this and it was like so accurate to my feelings it's like well, like denial for mm-hmm. the person like oh no this isn't happening it's fine like we can still go outside yes absolutely me like yeah. um anger yeah like, like this is fucked why yeah. did they close all the pu- pubs and bars like that's yeah. not fair blah 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 um bargaining like what if we just go like you know just do this instead or like mm-hmm. what if we just stay inside for one month like then yeah it'll all be over um sadness is that the next yeah one? it was yeah it's depression and then it's oh, acceptance. depression and then yeah. acceptance yeah where are you? Um, I would say I'm in depression or maybe even acceptance. Yeah, I'm in depression. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've moved pretty fast. Like I feel I've, I don't feel like I've, I've been exercising and, and trying to just like get better about it. And like later in the week when I got over that mental breakdown, I've been trying to just reframe it and be more positive and I'm sort of at acceptance now, I think. Wow. Yeah. I'm so not ready for acceptance. <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm at depression, but I still have like jolts of like anger and denial and bargaining. I'm just like, no, like this isn't happening. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like, there's nothing we can do, you know? Yeah. And I feel, I just feel that very much. Like there's nothing we can do. We just have to go through it. Uh, yeah, I know. I just can't. It's like, I accept that intellectually, but like, emotionally I am I'm just not there yeah but um yeah I mean and also having said that just to make clear this is not me like thinking like I want to stay inside like fuck everyone like obviously I know we need to and that's totally fine and I'm on board with that but you know I think you can accept the necessariness of that and still feel like wigged out by what that means for your life totally and I thought it was really interesting in that article too he spoke about how there's two, there's different kinds of grief, and one of them is anticipatory grief. Mm. So we're mm-hmm. we're grieving for what is to come, and we don't know what it is yet. Yeah. So we're grieving for how the world will be just so changed yeah. after this, and we don't know how, and we don't know when it will end. And and anticipatory grief is anxiety. So that anxiety mm. you're feeling is that. Um, I thought that article was very reassuring because I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. And no. I'm not a selfish asshole for yeah. being like, oh no, oh not God. at all. No, no. I mean, I still feel like a selfish asshole, but you're not a selfish asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, like mentioned anticipation 
participatory grief as being the thing you get like if someone you love is like dying from cancer mm. or something but yet it totally applies in this situation as well and that's yeah like just that uncertainty and not knowing when this is going to end is like making me lose my mind totally Okay, so my money content, again, I feel like I've had a lot of time to think, be alone with myself, and I keep going back and forth, again, feeling grief and feeling like this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, and then also feeling really privileged and lucky. Anyway, so The Financial Diet is a website I really like, and the founder, Chelsea Fagan, wrote this article where the headline is, PSA, staying home is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And basically she says, you know, it's ridiculous that we're at this place where we're like, I have to stay home. I have to watch Netflix. I have to just FaceTime my parents instead of seeing them in real life. And being like, oh, poor me is just ridiculous. So she says, I think of the doctors and nurses and grocery store workers and delivery people and firefighters and everyone who has no choice but to put on their uniforms and get to work in this. And I'm also, I'm almost embarrassed by my good fortune. I think of the many people who have already lost their jobs and the many more still to lose them. And I blush at the idea of finding it too challenging to work from home for weeks on end. Oh, poor me having to watch Netflix again and work from my bed when it's rainy and WhatsApp my husband. And while yes, mental health and well-being are not a competition and someone's enviable problems can feel incredibly difficult in the moment, we are only making this harder if we do not, at minimum, force ourselves to acknowledge the truth. To stay home through this and, my goodness, to be steadily employed while doing so is a profound privilege. Yeah, that's true. I read this tweet that was talking about how, like, even like yeah being able to social distance is a privilege and kind of using India as an example of like you know people like that's you know it's just like it's a lot harder for people to isolate in a country that like populated where people you know so many people live in the same house and they so many people don't have access to like running water to wash their hands with which is something we totally take for granted so yeah it just it's true yeah it's true, but it also doesn't make it uh, yeah. not hard. I know, but I just think the idea what she said of it being embarrassing, I find that. I find that I get. Oh, totally. Even to- talking about this, I just feel like there's so much shame, but it's real to me, but I'm still so embarrassed. Yeah. It's like I'm very much in these two minds. Yeah. No, I definitely feel like in 20 years time, our kids' generation, like, it'll be like a meme, like, oh, you like, you guys had to stay inside for two months and like lost your mind, like, oh, like <laughs> 2020. Be like, oh, you don't know, man. <laughs> you don't know what it was like. Um, but I like how she ends it as well. She says, keeping a healthy perspective on what truly is and isn't a sacrifice and being grateful and present in the things that are ultimately privileges is not a matter of des- denying your own experience. It's a matter of correcting your internal monologue to be more grounded in reality and a sense of perspective, especially when that monologue feels like the loudest thing in the world. Yeah. It's so, true. Yeah. It, and she's basically saying you can have both. And that's how I feel. I feel incredibly privileged and lucky and thank God that I'm still employed and I can work from home. And also my mental health is really struggling. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. 
Okay, are you ready for my money content? I'm so ready. Um, it's called We Should Blow Up the Bridges, Coronavirus Leads to Class Warfare in the Hamptons in the New York Post by Maureen Callahan. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Are you immediately I into saw this it? headline yeah. and I yeah. Okay, so basically, um okay, firstly I'll I'll point out this article's from March nineteen, which is about a week and a half ago now, so it's like from an early era of the coronavirus outbreak. Um but basically it was about how there'd been this influx of Manhattanites who'd gone to the Hamptons to like ride out, you know, coronavirus and in doing so basically fucked the place for the locals who live there year round. Um, so to quote this article, uh, here's something that never gets mentioned or seen in the coverage of the Hamptons, whether it's the news or gossip columns or sex in the city reruns. There are actually poor people who live here. There are three tra- trailer parks, there are food pantries for the needy, and that includes school kids. Normally, the haves and the have-nots converge only in summer, and everyone plays their parts. No more. Um, so it wow, taught, I did not know that. Yeah, I know totally. Like my, yeah, my understanding of the Hamptons comes entirely from that one Sex and the City episode, and I'm like, oh, it's a place where rich New York people go. Or like something's like going to give that whole movie. Isn't that in Hamptons? <laughs> I have not seen something's <laughs> going to give. With Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. No, God. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's like rich as, um, as it was portrayed as. Sorry. Yeah. Well, so this article was saying like in one case, this rich Manhattan woman tested positive for coronavirus and then got on a bus to the Hamptons and tried to like admit herself to the hospital in the Hamptons because she wanted to like, if she had to have coronavirus, she wanted to do it in like her holiday home, not in New York. Um, so like knowingly put all these people at risk of infection while doing so. But and also, put a strain on those smaller hospitals, oh, right? Oh yeah, no, totally. Like, and that's a huge issue. Like there's only eight ICU beds in the Hamptons hospital. Like it's a really small hospital. Like apparently in even in like summer, normally when people are just there visiting, they have people, they have patients like in the hallways of the hospital who've like, you know, broken their arm or whatever's gone on because they just don't have like like their hospital already can't support the influx of people who come from out of town in summer when people are healthy like there's no way it can support it during a situation like this um but also this article said that yeah they these rich people had come in and just like stripped the supermarket bare like totally just like bulk bought all this stuff like (laughs) there was um, one guy said, I've seen breathtaking acts of selfless selfishness. I saw one guy walk out of a grocery store with a cart full of carrots, just carrots. And so then there's all these people on like food stamps, which is like America's, um, it's like yeah, government, like pays for your food when you are a low income earner. I don't know. Um, yeah, but they're going to the supermarket and there's like nothing left because these rich people have come and bought everything. Um, and, but then they're also like acting like they're on vacation and mm. asking the people that they're renting their houses off to like heat the pools for them and like coming in big groups and like, yeah, just treating it like it's a holiday, not a pandemic and just totally like, like, you know, blind to the, to the fact that there are people who live here and are trying to get through this thing as well. And you're putting them at serious risk. Um, Oh, my God. But then this article ended by saying, still every local who spoke to the Post said their community has one thing going for it that the rich don't have. They really look out for each other. I see the bartenders and the waitresses, the people out of work, volunteering to feed the elderly, says one person they spoke to. We don't really see that from the types of people hoarding supplies, but I guess that's to be expected. And I don't know, it was just like this really like dystopian, disgusting case study and 
just rich people fucking things up for everyone else. And like, I don't think it's out of like pure evilness, but just like, just totally not thinking about other people and being able to use your money in a way that you just don't have to consider how it affects other people. It's just like, I'm going to like, I'm going to get to like, I don't know place I want to be in and I don't care how many heads I have to step on to get there Mm -hmm. it's like uh, yeah just real selfish have you did you see that article in the New York Times Uh, I should have I should have brought it up but there was a small town I think it was in Connecticut and they had like a huge outbreak of coronavirus because they had a party and this was sort of before I think it was quite a couple of weeks ago but they were like 20 people at this party or whatever. And a few of them were from overseas and they all gave it to each other, but then they kept it on the download because <gasps> they didn't want anyone to know that they had Corona. Cause they, <laughs> they were just so sh- like ashamed socially. And it was this really wealthy suburb. And so this really small town had this huge outbreak of it because yeah, everyone just kept it on the download and was like, even though we tested positive, they still sent their kids to school. They didn't self-isolate properly. Oh, my God. I should find it. I think it was in Connecticut. That's like there was an article the other day about ha- like the Sydney suburbs where like there's like the mm. highest rate of coronavirus. And it was like Wallara and Bondi and like rich eastern suburbs by the beach where it's like, yeah, people just kind of think that they're above it or something. And they're not like, well, they're like, well, I'm not changing my life for this thing. It's like... Yeah, it's maybe it just is harder for those people to like digest the message of, oh, it's not about you. Like staying home isn't about you. Well, I guess if you're rich, right, and you get to a point where you have amassed so much money that you can do whatever you want, being told by the government that you have to stay home, you'd be like, <laughs> totally, that. totally. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, I think just think it's really interesting the way this, um, <laughs> like wealth in this pandemic can really just change your outcome so much which is like true of every area of life as I said that I was like um but you know it's like just just the differences in the way people get to isolate like if you're rich and (laughs) there was like that some I saw some photo of like Ellen DeGeneres being like oh god like stuck at home like me I'm like (laughs) you're Ellen DeGeneres yeah you're fine like there was a really good article in the outline that was saying how celebrities celebrities don't it just shows you how much they don't matter, especially in these situations oh, yeah, where they're totally. all doing Instagram lives yeah. and they're all doing this like crazy fucking shit on Instagram. And it's like, they just really want to remind you that they matter where it's like, actually you don't matter. The yeah. nurses and the health, like this virus matters. You don't matter. Yeah. And they're just noise. Yeah. Oh my God. I saw um, Kim K did some video where she was like, um, like she was like with Chris Jenner and they'd be like, we've just gone for a walk. Like, in the backyard like and they're like go out for a walk like it's really good but like in your backyard and I'm like how fucking big is your backyard like that it's like oh like I'm gonna go for like an hour long walk around the backyard like my my backyard is like two meter square of concrete and hey I'm like thankful to have that but like yeah yeah or if you just have a balcony just pace up and down (laughs) which is what I've been doing um no like we I can still I've been still taking my dog for walks and stuff. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. allowed to take your yeah. dog for a walk. Oh, my God. I wish I had a dog. I need a dog, a bike, and a Nintendo Switch to survive this isolation. <laughs> you can still go for a walk, though. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I am. But I feel like... It's different in America. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It also feels like weird for me because I live on a main road. So when I go for a walk, it's like I'm still passing a lot of other people. Mm. Like I walked down King Street in Newtown yesterday when I was like coming back from the park and I was like, oh, this is a bit like <laughs> a bit tired. <laughs> <A> bit tired. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's just like, well, I can't help where I live. Like this is where I live. But yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, back on the Kim Kardashian thing, I saw a tweet where Kim was like, sending love to you all. And someone retweeted it and was like, send money, Kimberly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but then also what's money doing in this situation? Well, yeah. Well, like, I mean, for people who have lost their jobs. Yeah, no, totally. Like yeah. give it, like give it directly to people who have lost their jobs, but like there's no charity like organization that's going to solve coronavirus by, you know. Well, I've seen a Facebook money. fundraiser for um, the World Health Organization, something to do with like speeding up the vaccine i don't know oh. i haven't looked into it yeah i don't know what you can yeah. give money for that directly would help this. yeah yeah i mean we're gonna do a whole episode on on this later so i won't like <laughs> spoil it now but i mean i do think that's why it's actually so important to just like support small businesses right now because that's actually a really tangible direct way that your money is making a difference to people's employment and livelihoods mm-hmm. yeah Hundred mm. percent. Oh wait! Oh my God, Josie, we haven't even talked about the trifecta of um, celebrity <laughs> posts during coronavirus. One, Britney Spears calling for a general strike. Oh, oh my God, Comrade Britney! <laughs> Comrade Britney, that was that really that brightened was my week. I have iconic. To say. Um, everything Cardi B is doing. Yeah. Just oh God. Like, I a, mean, a real ally during this pandemic. Like, <laughs> it's like, of course, her understanding of class politics is like incredible because she's like from a working very working class background and only very recently ascended to the ranks of the wealthy but it's just like it just puts everyone else to shame like she did this video which I retweeted because I loved it I I think she was calling out like you know how Idris Elba has Mm -hmm. coronavirus and I think he'd I don't know he'd done some video like being like oh just stay calm it's all right or something like I've got coronavirus but I feel fine and she's like yeah like it doesn't help when celebrities are going around like saying oh I feel fine but I got tested for coronavirus anyway like you have this access to testing that normal people don't have and also like your situation is just totally different like you're not coming home to an apartment that like six other people live in and like sharing a bedroom with like family members because you don't have space like it's yeah it was really good and then also um Fran Drescher who I didn't know until recently is like mad lefty yeah nanny (laughs) she did I can't remember what she tweeted but something about like calling for um I think maybe she called for a general strike as well I don't know she was just like yes like capitalism has failed us and I'm like go off Fran (laughs) no but we were talking about this before we started recording but this whole thing has just shown the flaws in America's system yeah they don't have yeah healthcare how people have to pay to get coronavirus tests and Mm. if you have to pay would you get tested if Mm -hmm. you don't have that money Mm -hmm. um Bernie Sanders tweeted the other day people are dying knowing they're sick but they're not going to the hospital because they can't afford the bill that they'll be picking up this is an international disgrace we need to make healthcare right yeah it's like yes Bernie yeah I mean it is an international disgrace. I was looking yeah. at this graph just before of um, like the countries with the highest rates of coronavirus like cases. And it was like a couple of weeks ago, America was kind of like in the middle somewhere. And then it just like flipped right up to the top. And uh, yeah, it's just like, 
yeah, when you don't have any kind of social security, you don't have any health care, like, I don't know, it's just a ticking time bomb for something like mm-hmm. this. Like, yeah, because yeah, as much as as much as we could be doing more or wherever our failings are, things like this, I feel very lucky that we have oh, totally. health care like we totally. do. Yeah, very, yeah. very lucky. No, totally. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. Uh, join our Facebook group. We'll talk about, I don't know, money, stress, <laughs> world ending, whatever you want. Whatever you feel like, mental health stuff. Um, well, we're, we're going to be doing these weekly and we can record from our individual houses. So, you know, no matter what the show will go on. Yeah. Josie. That's it. Um, all right. Well, stay frugal. <laughs> stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. Look after yourself. Stay inside. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. <laughs>